Welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode five of the 2022 podcast series where we take a look at the draft eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft set to begin April 2022 in Las Vegas, Nevada. And we're in the thick of things at the start of the college football season. As of this taping, August 28th, we had our first handful of games. We got to watch Illinois take down Nebraska. Fresno State looked really strong in a big win over UConn. And then how about UCLA dominating Hawaii? Zach Charbonnet with three touchdowns on the day there. Charbonnet's footwork looked excellent in that game. We'll break down each of those games as we lead up to the first full slate of games Labor Day weekend. Really the focus right now because we are in advance of that first full slate. We're taking a look at each position, really as a preseason marker, to take a look at my top 10, along with some additional guys to sprinkle in, guys that you need to make sure that you're paying attention to. Which matchups are you going to want to pay attention to throughout the season so that you'll be able to see some of these guys? Because these are going to be the names you'll be hearing as we get into the pre-draft process in January, February, March, and April 2022. So the first three podcasts... After my my opener that kicked off the season, uh, cover the quarterbacks, the running backs, and the receivers. Well, we're going to do a podcast on the top tight ends. I think the tight end position really has has elevated to another level in, in recent years. You know, I, I know Tony Gonzalez coming out, you know, Hall of Fame career really elevated the tight end position. And now what you're seeing with guys like Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski, George Kittle, Zach Ertz, Darren Waller, you know, these are guys that are really, you know, the the focal point of the offense in a lot of respects. These are guys who are making plays and really the quarterbacks are relying on these tight ends. If you watch that Super Bowl, Travis Kelsey was the guy, he was Patrick Mahomes' security blanket and the guy that he knew he could rely on down the field. Now, when we look at the tight end position, what's interesting is for the last seven years, we've had a tight end taken in round number one. The only exceptions were uh, 2015 and 2016, and then again in 2020. Um, you know, and, and I think really what you're looking at is uh, you know three tight ends taken in 2017. That was O.J. Howard, um, you know Evan Engram, and uh, David Njoku. Then you saw both TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant come off the board in 2019. And then obviously we know Kyle Pitts uh, doing things that nobody expects a tight end to do. Uh, you know, also putting up, you know, not only does he run the 4-4-4-40, but also has the seven-foot wingspan measured as well. Uh, excited to see what he can do there in Atlanta. When you look at the the, the classes and that the, the first round picks they don't always end up being the top guys right uh you know you always can find some tight ends later on in the draft but if you are looking for a tight end in round one you know i, I think really the only guy out of that group that i mentioned that ran slower than a 465 um i'm sorry you know uh, ran slower than a um you know Really, yeah, I guess 465. He had two guys. Uh, 2018 was Hayden Hurst uh, coming off the board, number 25 overall to Atlanta, and then TJ Hawkinson in, in 2019. So you had those two, but everybody else was running in the in the four fours, four fives. Uh, David and Joku ran a 464. 
So when you're looking at, at these tight ends, you have to make sure that, you know, if you're a guy like J, uh, Jaleel Billingsley or Jaden Weidermeyer, if you want to be considered, you know, you've got to be making sure that you're running, you know, likely running sub 4-7. Well, I'm going to name some names of guys that really you were able to find later on in the draft. You didn't have to take a tight end in round one because the talent was there. And we'll start with, with Mr. Kelsey. You know, he measured in at 6'4", 255 at the draft, ran a 4'6", ended up third round pick, number 63 overall. And in 2013, he actually had three or four tight ends taken ahead of him. Uh, Tyler Eifert, you know, obviously Zach Ertz panned out pretty well there for Philly. Uh, Gavin Escobar and Vance McDonald. So, you know, Travis Kelsey obviously was a steal uh, toward, you know, there in round number three. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, you know, was the uh, 42nd overall pick in the set, you know, second round in 2010. The only tight end to come off the board ahead of him was Jermaine Gresham in round number one. Measuring it at 6'6", 258, ran a 4'6", And this was a guy, look, he didn't play uh, in that uh, 20, uh, 2009 season for the Wildcats. You know, he was battling a, an injury. I believe it was a back injury. Uh, and so he didn't get to play, ultimately entered the draft. And we all know the rest is history for Gronk. Zach Ertz, I mentioned he was the second tight end taken in 2013. Uh, ran a 4.7640, still ended up coming off the board in round two, number 35 overall, 6'5, 249. Uh, George Kittle, the only guy that measured under six foot four. Uh, it was 6'3, 247. And look, Iowa didn't throw many footballs to him, you know, and we know that. But the guy comes out there and blows up the combine. Ran a 4.5240, ended up as a fifth overall, uh, I'm sorry, fifth round pick, number 146 overall to the 49ers. Eight tight ends taken ahead of him in that 2017 draft. George Kittle, you know, obviously is a guy, he's really the focal point of that passing offense for the Niners. I know Trey Lance is going to be looking forward to throwing the football to, Trey, uh, to Kittle in years to come. Darren Waller was the interesting one. You know, he was the receiver. He was 6'6", 238, coming out of Georgia Tech. Measure, uh, you know, me- measured in as, as a tight end, really, coming out of that receiver position. Um, you know, 4'4", 640. Uh, a flyer was taken on him. Sixth round pick, number 204 overall in 2015. Had some off-field troubles. Ended up coming back, really reinvented himself as a tight end. Now, you know, obviously we know what he's doing there with the Raiders. And then Mark Andrews. I'm going to throw him into the mix as well. Uh, the fourth tight end taken, uh, you know, he had in 2018, he had Hayden Hurst, Mike Kosicki, Dallas Goddard. And, and arguably, you know, Mark Andrews has had the best career out of that group to this point. Uh, you know, a pro bowler there in Baltimore. Measured into 6'5", 256, ran a 4'6", 740. Third round pick, number 86 overall. Why am I telling you all this? Why am I giving you some of the facts and figures? You can get beyond round number one. You don't have to take a tight end in round one. Really, you're looking for those game changers. And when you look at that that group of guys that have been taken, really the only guy that uh, you know that you're really expecting to be that dynamic playmaker is Kyle Pitts. And we'll have to see exactly what that looks like with Atlanta. But, you know, TJ Hawkinson, I think he's really coming into his own there in Detroit. Noah Fant really hasn't gotten going. OJ Howard kind of up and down there in Tampa. Uh, Evan, uh, Evan Engram, you know, has, has had his ups and downs there with the Giants. Really high ups, but he's also had some drops, uh, drop issues. David Njoku uh, battled some injuries there with, with, uh, uh, with Cleveland. Um, so, 
you know, the first rounders, they haven't actually, you know, exploded onto the scene and you can wait into, you know, the, the second day and find those tight ends. So we're going to try to take a look at that. We want to take a look at some of those guys that uh, may not come off the board in round one. And I think this is a deeper uh, deeper group. A lot of guys to like. I've got a total of, uh, let's see. I've got a total of, uh, going through my list now, 19 guys uh, that could potentially get drafted in this year's draft. I mean, when you talk about tight end position, um, when was the last time we actually had 19 tight ends taken? I'll tell you, it's 2015, and that was a year when Max Williams came off the board, number 55 overall. That was you know, the only tight end taken in the first two rounds of the draft, and we wound up with 19 tight ends taken overall. I mean, it's, it's uh, unreal kind of what happened there in that draft. But uh, let's go ahead and jump into my rankings, and we can kind of go from there. Sound good? So Jalen Weidermeyer, you know, I went back and forth between him and Jaleel Billingsley, and, and Weidermeyer is my number one tight end, 6'5", 265, out of Texas A&M. And look, Weidermeyer to me is the most complete tight end in this year's draft. Uh, you know, Jaleel Billingsley might be the flashy guy. He may be more of your Evan Engram type of uh, receiver, uh, 6'4", 230. Uh, but Weidermeyer to me is a guy that, you know, he's, he's dynamic, um, but he can also block. You know, I think there's a lot of, a lot to like with his game. Um, you know, came in as a freshman, 32 catches, 447 yards and six touchdowns. Follows that up with, you know, in 10 games, 46 receptions, 506 and six touchdowns. Uh, was a leading receiver for, for much of the way there for for AM. A guy who, you know, he runs really nice routes for, for at the tight end position. You know, I think he really sell, sells his right, uh, routes to the outside, cuts back inside, you know, really sets up his man and does a really good job there on that. Um, sold a block against South Carolina and then released, ran by Israel Mukawamu uh, across the field, making another uh, seven-yard score in that game. Uh, you know, a guy, look, you know, he, he ran a corner route against Auburn, 10-yard game, faked the defender inside, then cuts to the outside and able to catch over the football, uh, over his shoulder, got his foot down for a touchdown. Uh, you know, a, a guy who I think, not only with the route running ability, there is some suddenness to his game. He can separate a little bit from the linebackers, uh, can get vertical. Uh, when, when he wants to, and then he's difficult to bring down. A guy that's going to you know, run through arm tackles, you've got to make sure that you wrap him up. Um, you know, there was a big play uh, in uh, that Auburn game, a downfield block on the safety to spring uh, Isaiah Spiller for a big game there. Um, gosh, you know, against Florida, had the one-handed catch coming over the middle, uh, the leg drive against Arkansas to, to drive the pile. Um, quarterback lead through the hole, had a nice block on the linebacker and drove him down the field. Uh, keeps those hands inside as a blocker, maintains good leverage. Um, will get a little overextended at times as a blocker, but you know I, I just think that this is a guy who not only flashes as a receiver, but that blocking ability is something that you can't understate. You know, this is going to be a guy who's going to protect your quarterback. He's also going to open holes for, for the running back. And he's going to help his receivers with some of those downfield blocks as well. Very, very savvy, very intelligent player. I think he plays beyond his years. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what Jalen Weidermeyer can do at the next level. That leads us to Jaleel Billingsley out of Alabama. 6'4", 230 pounds, the junior look. He only played in three games in 2019 as a freshman. Um, through seven games in 2020, 
18 catches, 287 yards, three touchdowns. That averages out to 15.9 yards per reception. Uh, a guy as a as a freshman showed off some unreal hands, being able to come back for the football. Looks like a wide receiver out there with his, you know, just with the way that he carries himself. Um, you know, against LSU, in the, he lined up in the slot against the linebacker Micah Baskerville. Uh, really a mismatch. Uh, the linebacker really got flat-footed. Uh, gets inside the linebacker, runs by him, foot in the ground, shows that out route, catches with his hands out in front of him, then drags Baskerville for extra yards after that play. Definitely a hands catcher, a vertical threat. Um, you know, a guy. You know, against Kentucky, came across the field, hurdled the defender as he was going down the field. So you see that athleticism there. You know, also a guy that can high point the football, um, very athletic, a guy that you're going to line up in the slot and uh, can be dynamic down the field. You don't see him blocking a ton, and he was one of those guys. You had Miller Forrestall, uh, you know, Carl Tucker, uh, some of those other tight ends that were really asked to do a lot of the blocking. So Billingsley didn't have to do a lot of that. That's one of the things that I think he's continuing to work on. He's far from a finished product, but look, Evan Engram was not much of a blocker coming out of Mississippi. He was still a first-round pick, uh, really ran that 4-4-240, put up huge numbers. And look, Alabama, he didn't have to do a whole lot. Uh, you know, his first two years, when when you're on a team with, with you know Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and then... Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith, you're not asked to have to, you know, asked to do a whole lot. You've got John Mechie coming back. You're going to have a lot of other young guys in that receiving course. I'm expecting Jaleel Billingsley to really assert himself as a, a dominant pass catcher there for Bama. And that's really what I'm looking for. If he wants to be a first round pick, you know, it's not just going to be, hey, I'm going to catch a few passes here and there, 18 receptions. You know, he, if you're talking about at the top of the draft, look, you know, we look at, at a guy like George Kittle. I mentioned uh, Kittle didn't come off the board until round number five. And, you know, there's a reason for that. He just wasn't, you know, he was used as a blocker. You know, um, and it's one of those things you, you got to make sure that you take those Iowa tight ends um, because, look, Kirk Ferentz just, he, he has a way with, with just churning out tight ends that succeed at the next level. Um, but when you look at, 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 uh, Kittle, in his last two seasons there at Iowa, had 42 catches uh, for 604 yards and 10 scores. You know, and nothing, you know, solid, but when you're talking about that 2016 season, 22 catches for 314 yards, four touchdowns, you know, that, that's about, you know, pretty close to what Jaleel Billingsley was putting up there, you know, at Bama as a sophomore. So, there's a reason why Kittle ended up coming off the board in round five. Jaleel Billingsley, also a bit undersized at the tight end position. Um, he really has to have a big year if we're going to be hearing his name called in round one and frankly, potentially in round two as well. But I've got him there at number two because of that potential. This is a guy that I think could be very dynamic. And if he is in 2021, we could hear his name called very early in the 2022 draft. Number three on my list, this might be a little controversial because you know a lot of people like other tight ends, but I'm going with Trey McBride out of Colorado State, 6'4", 260. And the senior uh, in his career has caught 67 balls, including 22 in just four games in 2020. Uh, you know, the, the Rams there for Colorado State only got four games in thanks to COVID. Uh, still had 22 receptions, 890 yards in his career and eight touchdowns. Scored four touchdowns in those four games there in 2020 as well. 
a guy who I think is a really polished route runner. He's very athletic, a guy that can make plays after the catch. Definitely a weapon up the seam with that speed that he has. Um, no, in Wyoming, uh, game against Wyoming, 26-yard touchdown. First play after a fumble recovery, an over route, uh, wide open, makes the catch with his hands and scores. Um, you know, just really a, a guy that uh, he'll come back to the football, extends those arms, attacks the football in the air, does a really good job using his body to shield the ball from defenders, runs those out routes, able to get separation from the linebacker, and then ultimately after he makes the catch, able to turn up field and make some plays. I also like McBride as a as a blocker when he maintains leverage. Um, you know, he's definitely a willing blocker, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do there with Steve Adazio. Look, you know, Adazio he's known for a lot of those tight ends uh, and utilizing them, you know, early and often. So I'll be really curious to see what he can do with Trey McBride because look, he lines up everywhere. You know, you can line him up uh, as an inline tight end in the slot, put him out wide and he's very versatile in that way he's one of those sleepers in this in this class and that's why i have him sitting there at number three uh, number four on my list Cade otten out of washington he's 6'5, 240 pounds you know a guy another guy 63 catches in his career 776 yards eight touchdowns um you know he was the the leading receiver you know for for washington for for much of those games and you know in in those four games um you know, a, a guy who you know, can get vertical you know, on the outside, you know, he, he lined up in the slot. He'd line up on the outside as well. And a guy who, you know, time and time again, whether it was against Utah or, or Oregon State, he'd get vertical from the slot. Ball throws to the out, thrown to the outside. He's able to adjust to the football. Very, uh, very athletic with, with his ability to adjust um, to the football while it's in the air. Excellent body control. Um, this is a guy who just, you know, the, the seam, he was a target left and right up the seam. You know, also, you know, would come in motion uh, through traffic, um, comes down the opposite seam, quarterback throwing down the field, you know, able to, to high point the football and, and haul that in against, uh, against Utah. Uh, you know, a, a guy who... You know, very soft hands. That's one of the things that you definitely see with him. Um, you know, very uh, savvy with his, his route running, and, and a guy who's really solid with his blocks. That's one of the things that uh, you know that I saw. Uh, will get blocks. You know, in that Utah game, you know, repeatedly will get blocks on the end and drive him down the field. Uh, will get uh, inside leverage as a blocker and be able to drive his man down the field. Uh, one of the things, uh, he, he tried to seal off a linebacker against Oregon State, only got uh, around enough to get that, get his right arm on the linebacker, was then able to go ahead and disengage. So, you know, there are some, you know, from, from a technique standpoint, you know, really being ma- making sure that he shoots both of those hands in, keeps those hands inside, doesn't get in trouble. If he's only getting one hand on the blocker, making sure that he doesn't get called for a holding play, uh, but definitely a weapon, a guy that, you um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do there in Washington here in 2021 uh, because he can be a, that dynamic receiver. I just hope that he, he can stay healthy uh, throughout that, the, the senior season. And I, I think he's a guy that we could see coming off the board in the first two rounds, or I'm sorry, the first two days of the draft. At number five, you know, now this, this was a pick you know, that I kind of went back and forth on. 
I'm going with Charlie Kohler uh, out of Iowa State, 6'6", 257. Um, you know, I went back and forth with him and, and Greg Dulcich on this one. I'm going with Kohler for now. Uh, Kohler, look, he was a weapon for, for Brock Purdy over the last two seasons. 95 catches in those last two years for over 1,200 yards and 14 touchdowns. Uh, big physical tight end, very strong in traffic, strong hands. Look, he played basketball at Norman North with with Trey Young. Um, so a, a guy who, you know, he plays like a basketball player. That's one of the things that you definitely see. Uh, attacks a football in the air. Uh, the Big 12 Championship ran this nice wheel route versus Pat Fields of safety, a leaping catch over the safety. Uh, does a good job settling down at the sticks, knows where he is on the field, knows where, you know, the yard to gain, and is able to pick up those first downs. Leaping catches along the sidelines, he'll extend and be able to get that foot down, so nice body control there and, and awareness where the sideline is. Just uh, attracts the football very well down the field. Um, you know, so he's a guy who, you know, also even knows where, where the defender is. You know, uh, another uh, game earlier in the season where the Cyclones upset OU, ran a slant route. Uh, Buki Radley Hiles comes down, uh, downhill to the inside, had a nice feel for where that defender was and the awareness to spin to the outside and get down the field as well. Um, you know, very intelligent player out there. Uh, a, a guy who you know was able to separate a little bit from some of the safeties uh, in the Big 12 championship against Oklahoma, and then there's the blocking. You saw in the in the Rose Bowl, struggled at times with, with Kayvon Thibodeau, but there were quite a few times where Thibodeau you know, was keeping him to the outside, making sure that he wasn't a factor in that Rose Bowl. Uh, also got beaten off the edge on a fourth and goal inside the one, and and Thibodeau dropped Brees Hall for a loss. Uh, obviously, you know, there there's going to be times where he's going to struggle with some of that speed, but what I really like about him is he's, he's a willing blocker. He's a guy that, that can play with decent leverage, keeps those feet moving, um, shoots those hands inside. I mean, basketball players, they're known for their hands. You've got to have quick hands, uh, you know, especially when a ball, you know, if he's po- someone's posting him up, quick hands to be able to shoot that, you know, shoot inside and, and make a play as that, that entry pass is coming in in the post. Um, I, I think Charlie Kohler is one of those guys. Expect another big year out of him. Look, Iowa State, they love to throw to the tight ends. And really, Brock Purdy kind of relied on his tight ends a little bit. You know, Kohler missed uh, missed time at the beginning of the season, and they really struggled uh, at times with building some of that chemistry with uh, with Hutchinson and, and Shaw, the, t- the new receivers uh, in that group. But uh, expect Charlie Kohler to have a big year once again there for Brock Purdy. He's going to have to have a big year if the Cyclones want to contend for not only a Big 12 championship, but uh, potential playoff berth. Greg Dulcich, I mentioned him. UCLA, 6'4", 242 pounds. Uh, not much of a factor through his first two seasons there. Uh, it was a redshirt freshman in 2019, played in just five games, eight catches there. But in 2020, really emerged as a go-to weapon for DTR. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson there, the, the quarterback for the Bruins. 26 catches, 517 yards. That's 19.9 yards per, care, per reception with five touchdowns. This was a dude who was just a vertical threat. Uh, you know, 
52-yard touchdown, up the seam, wide open, able to stop and go versus uh, the safety to score. Uh, you know, show some lateral agility to juke defenders in the open field. Um, wide open in the seam against USC, ran away from Isaiah Polamau, who's a decent safety. 59-yard touchdown there. Um, hands to pluck the football out of the air. Um, second in the Pac-12 at the tight end position, uh, 517 yards, five touchdowns. Um, that 19.9 yards per reception actually was second in the conference among all receivers. I take that back. Uh, wasn't just a tight end position. Um, and really, he's an underrated blocker. You know, Again, a guy who shoots those hands inside, maintains leverage, keeps those feet moving, and can generate movement. That's one of the things I even noticed in the Hawaii game. Only had one reception, but he was one of those guys who was a factor you know, guys had to know where he was on the field at all times as a receiver, especially when he was lining up in the slot. And as a blocker, because they were running the ball so effectively against Hawaii, this was a guy who, uh, you know, again, didn't get too far extended, kept those hands inside, and would just drive his man down the field. I think Dulcich is one of those guys who's going to continue to move up draft boards. Is going to be one of those surprises when we get to draft day. Number seven on my list is Austin Stogner out of Oklahoma, 6'6", 262 pounds. The junior really took over for Grant Calcaterra in 2019 uh, when Calcaterra retired from the game. We know since you know Calcaterra has moved on to SMU. He's a guy to watch there at SMU. Obviously, the medicals are going to have to check out with him. But he's one of those guys to watch. I don't have him on my list just yet. Um, really want to see from a health standpoint, make sure that he checks out all right uh, at the beginning of the season there with the Mustangs. But back to Stogner, battled some injuries in 2020, only played in eight games. But through the, that time, 26 catches, 422 yards, three touchdowns at 16.2 yards per reception. So he's not just a big dude. You know, he can actually get down the field and make some plays, stretch the defenses a little bit. Um, you know, a guy who has excellent body controls to adjust to the to an underthrown ball. He was a wep a weapon for Spencer Rattler that he could rely on. I think it was one of those things to where you know Charleston Rambo had a down year. Ultimately, Marvin Mims emerged, but Austin Stogner. It was unfortunate that he went down to that injury because had he stayed healthy, he probably would have had an even bigger season because he was a guy that Spencer Rattler was continuing to look for. Um, you know, he, he's somebody who I think uses that big body to his advantage in traffic, extends those long arms for the ball, uh, putting that defender on his hip. Um, what I really loved too was just the blocking ability. You know, versus Florida on third and eleven, climbs to the safety from the from the slot, able to, to deliver a nice block there. Came across the formation to, for a lead block on Ramon, uh, for Ramondre Stevenson, kick out block on the edge, and was still able to get those hands inside to maintain leverage and sustain that block um, you know so a big weapon in that running game because that's one of the things that OU uh, everyone thinks about the quarterback position and the the passing attack and, and while that is true when you you think about it with, with OU it's all that like guard tackle pull getting that tight end out there as well and, and making some blocks and allowing those running backs Ramondre Stevenson they were a different offense when they had a running game going now they've got Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray the transfer from Tennessee expect Stogner to be you know a, a, play a significant role in that running game 
in 2021 for the Sooners. And uh, he's a guy to definitely be on the lookout for, a guy that could be moving up some draft boards. The next guy on my list is Jeremy Rucker, 6'5", 253 out of Ohio State. And I, I think with, with Jeremy Rucker not asked to catch the football a ton, just 28 catches in his three seasons there uh, in Columbus, 306 yards, nine touchdowns. And with Rucker, I think because he doesn't catch the football a lot, it's assumed that he's a tremendous blocker. And I don't know that that's necessarily the case. You know, against Bama, um, ultimately uh, there was a throw to the perimeter, um, and Pat Sertan was up against uh, Chris Olave. Rucker was supposed to get the block on Sertan. Sertan ultimately fought through the block, no gain. So it's one of those things to where the effort sometimes is, is you know, isn't always there. Uh, or you know, not always able to, to get shoot those hands in, stay under control. He'll he'll want to lean and lean and lunge, uh, and that's one of the things that will get him into trouble. But what he absolutely is is he's a, he's a darn good pass catcher, man. Um, you know, went up the seam, beat Christian Harris uh, in that Bama game. Had a catch with just one hand that was really sweet. Um, and it's one of those things too. I went back and watched some of it, uh, the, the tape in some of the camps in, in high school. Uh, just excellent hands as a pass catcher. You know, in high school, offered some circus catches, tremendous leaper, body control along the sideline, able to go up and high point the football. Um, as a sophomore, he did have a one-handed catch. Um, very natural hands catcher, catching the football away from his body. Ruckert is one of those guys to where he's got to clean up that blocking ability. Uh, again, you know, he, he needs to just be more patient and not get so far extended. Don't lunge, don't lean. Um, and if he can stay grounded and really be, uh, you know, really focus on that part of his game, I think that's where you could see Ruckert's draft stock continue to rise. I think right now he's probably a day, early day three pick, probably in that fourth round range. Um, but he's got to get that blocking cleaned up because he can do some special things catching the football. Will Mallory is my guy at number nine, 6'5", 245, uh, out of Miami. Uh, and look, the Hurricanes, you know, they had Brevin Jordan there at the tight end position, but Will Mallory was a guy who uh, flashed some of that athleticism. You know, just played in six games in 2019, still had 16 catches, 293 yards, 18.3 yards per reception, two touchdowns, follows that up in 2020, another 22 catches, 329 yards, four touchdowns, and that's with Brevin, uh, Brevin Jordan there uh, for the you know, with the Hurricanes as well. You know, he's an athletic tight end, reliable hands, hands catcher, and as I mentioned, you know he did battle some injuries uh, not only in 2019 but in 2020 as well. Uh, a guy who um, you know against Oklahoma State in the Cheez It Bowl actually lined up in the backfield, you know released off the left edge. DB that was sucked up, able to to get down the sideline, was wide open. I'm sorry, down the seam, wide open, 45 yards. Ultimately, was caught at the one yard line. Uh, but a guy that uh, can be a weapon, line him up all over the field. Um, saw some stiffness with this change of direction, you know, in, in the open field there. But um, definitely a guy who can adjust to the football. You know, there's a throw um, on his back hip, able to spin around make that catch and then still get down the football field and make a football move um, nice vertical speed he's one of those guys who I think you know is more of a uh, a vertical threat and not so much on that shiftiness he's got some stiffness to him um, 
but definitely a guy, look, you know, he's going to be a weapon. Throw, Just throw the ball up, up the seam, and uh, he's got that big catch radius because he's able to adjust to those balls thrown, uh, especially if they throw him to the opposite shoulder. He's looking over one way, they throw it to the opposite shoulder. He's able to open up and make those adjustments to the football. Uh, you know, I, I wrote down here catch radius uh, and circled it a couple of times. So, uh, you know, that's one of the big things that you'll see with, with Will Mallory. The biggest thing is, is just staying healthy. He's a guy that can move up draft boards. He's got the athleticism for it. He's now the guy there uh, at the tight end position for Miami. He and Charleston Rambo are going to have to be big-time targets for De'Ara King uh, if the Hurricanes want to uh, make some noise there in the ACC. Number 10, I've kind of got a tie going with uh, Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin and Cole Turner out of Nevada. We'll start with Jake Ferguson, 6'5", 246. And look, just like any other Wisconsin tight end, you're going to expect to see uh, really solid blocking. You know, I think that's one of the things that you're going to see out of him is he's he can be physical. Uh, you know, a guy that's going to drive his man off the football when they get into that power running game. He's a guy that's going to continue to, uh, to help churn out some of those yards. 99 catches in his career. You know, over those three seasons, you know, and, and through just seven games in 2020, had 30 catches. You know, so he's a guy that can be one of those focal points, uh, especially as they're developing some of those younger receivers there with the Badgers. Uh, over 1,100 yards, 10 touchdowns, savvy route runner, excellent hands. Uh, you know, a guy who's very physical after the catch. He'll run through your arm tackles. He'll bounce off a couple of defenders. Uh, against Minnesota, he did just that. He ran through the arm tackle, bounced off two more defenders, then showed the leg drive to finish for some additional extra yards. Um, repeatedly open on the out route against Northwestern. Really did a good job you know, with the route running. Um, you know, a guy that is going to attack the football in traffic coming over the middle. Um, can make the, the first defender miss in the open field. Um, you know, just really a guy who I think, you know, he's not overly flashy, but a guy who just absolutely does get the job done. He'll be drafted. He'll be a day three guy. I don't expect him to run a really fast 40 time or anything like that, or just like I said, really wow you. But I think he's a guy who's going to make an NFL roster and, and be one of those reliable targets probably as a second tight end. Uh, Cole Turner, Nevada, uh, 6'6", 223. I think I saw that he's put on some weight, possibly up to 240, uh, 230 or 240 range. If that's the case, you know, watch out because Cole Turner, first two years there at Nevada, uh, just six games and uh, played the receiver position as a tight end in, in 2020. Uh, nine games played for the Wolfpack, 49 catches, 605 yards, nine touchdowns. And it doesn't hurt that his, uh, his roommate, his first three years there uh, in Reno, uh, roommates were the quarterback Carson Strong and the receiver Romeo Dubs. And this trio, really a lot of fun to watch. If you get a chance to watch Jay Norvell and the Nevada Wolfpack, you better tune in and, and watch because they're, they're really a lot of fun. And look, Cole Turner, he has the, has the size, has the reach advantage um, as a dynamic receiver. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that you'll be able to also see get some separation against the linebackers. But look, you're going to use that size. You're going to attack him in the red. You know, uh, use that and attack in the red zone. Um, you know, 28 yards up the middle of the field versus Tulane in the Idaho Potato Bowl. Uh, two high safety, really a mismatch. Elevates over them, hauls in the football. Concentration on a two-yard fade. There was a tip by the corner as he was going to the ground, hauling in the football. Um, a guy who 
you know, in that same game, had an 11-yard touchdown, catches the ball on the flat, turns up the field, dives into the end zone uh, for another score. You know, not only is he a weapon in in the red zone, not only is he going to be a 50-50 guy, but uh, he can separate a little bit from those linebackers. He's going to be a weapon down the seam for you. Uh, needs to work on the blocking. That's one of the things that you know. Look, you know, he was a converted receiver, so a guy that's going to be lining up. Uh, all over the field for you, but you know, you think about uh, about Cole Turner. You kind of think about Darren Waller, and, and the, really that transformation that we saw with Waller um, from the receiver there at Georgia Tech into the tight end that he is for the Raiders. Now, I'm not saying that Cole Turner is going to be the next Darren Waller necessarily, but you know, there are some similarities to their game. You know, two guys with big frames that were able to add on some additional weight. And I think Cole Turner, he has that frame to be able to do that. And I think, you know, still not sacrifice the agility and, and the athleticism. He'll be a nice nice guy to watch out for in, uh, in 2021. Beyond that, you know, there, there are some additional tight ends who I think are, are really a lot of fun to watch. Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina is one of the guys that comes to mind. 6'4", 245 pounds. Uh, 74 catches, including 62 the past two seasons, over 1,100 yards in his career as well, 15 touchdowns, uh, had five in each of his uh, first three seasons there for the uh, Chanticleers. And this was a guy who seemed to get vertical up the seam, didn't matter who he was playing, whether it was Appalachian State, BYU, Liberty, Whoever he was going up against, this was going to be a weapon. And that ankle injury, you know, he ultimately got surgery after the season. But this was a dude who just continued to work down the field. Um, You know, a a guy who tracks the football well over his shoulder. um, You know, does a really good job um, with that vertical game. Now, the concentration isn't always there. He'll have some mental lapses. He'll try to turn up the field without securing and won't. You know, and he'll drop the football. You'll see some poor efforts on, on blocks. You know that was you know, especially apparent in that Cure Bowl against uh, against Liberty, uh, outside throw to to CJ uh, Maribel, and uh, it was a pitch to his side. Really a poor effort on the block, and, and poor Maribel didn't go anywhere. Um, follows that up later on, uh, 25-yard touchdown beats the the linebacker on a post. Lined up outside, linebacker came over, able to plant cut inside as that linebacker's hips turned. And that's really one of the things that you really liked about him, about the savviness, was he was able at the top of his route kind of give that that jab step and that fake. And ultimately that linebacker opens the hips. He's able to then cut off of that and able to to make that catch in stride. And he's one of those guys that you love, um, you know, doesn't lose speed after the catch. A lot of these tight ends will have some of that stiffness, that stop and start. Isaiah Likely is not one of those guys. Really, the biggest concern is is some of the mental lapses with the cat, you know, with his catching, and really the the effort as a blocker. That's where it's going to kind of drive his draft stock down. But I would have loved to have seen what he could have done. Uh, had it not been for that ankle injury, uh, because despite the fact that he was battling the injuries, I mean, you look at what he did: 30 catches, 601 yards. That's 20 uh, yard per catch average in 2020, and uh, you know it was one of those things to where he just kept fighting through that that ankle injury, and they had to kind of limit him. And really, he was running those seams more than anything else, running some posts because he didn't have to to plant and cut off of that injured ankle. And he was a guy who you didn't see in the game 
for an extended period of time either because they had to take care of him and really he did a lot of his damage early on in the game uh, but I think he'll be a key weapon there for Grayson McCall in 2021. Josh Wiley out of Cincinnati. Look, the Cincinnati tight ends, you have to keep an eye on them. And here's another one. Josh Wiley, 6'6", 230 pounds, athletic junior tight end, 28 catches, 353 yards, six touchdowns there. Uh, Desmond Ritter has his quarterback. And uh, Alec uh, Pierce, uh, a downfield threat there at the receiver position. They've got a lot of weapons coming back. And, uh, you know, to me, Josh Wiley is one of those guys who just continues to develop a decent blocker, um, exceptional hands, and uh, I've had him uh, really sitting there at, at you know 12, 13 in, in my my group right now. But he's one of those guys who can be an ascending prospect, a guy that's going to rise up draft boards if he can continue to show his ability to make plays uh, down the football field as a receiver and continue to be a blocker in that running game. Uh, you know they've got to replace Jared uh, Jared Dokes, who moved on to the next level. And Wiley, his blocking ability on the outside, that could end up really paying dividends for him in terms of his draft stock. Uh, James Mitchell out of Virginia Tech, 6'3", 235. Uh, This is a dude, look, in two seasons there for the Hokies, 47 catches, 796 yards, and six touchdowns. That's basically 17 yards per reception. Um, A guy who does a tremendous job down the field, you know, very athletic, um, excellent concentration, you know, especially on some of those tip balls. Um, very good speed and space, can make some guys miss. Does a really good job uh, selling the arrow route well. That's one of the things that I noticed. Um, you know, and a guy that they lined up really everywhere. He was even taking handoffs uh, out of the backfield against UNC. He took a ball around the edge and, and scored. A guy that's going to line up in the slot as an inline tight end, even split him out. You know, he's undersized, so he's 6'3", 235, so you really have to make sure that you know, he can also be a blocker. And that's one of the things, you know, I, I think at times he'll get a little bit too high. Needs to work on the footwork a little bit in pass pro against those edge rushers. Uh, but at the same time, you know, in the game against Clemson, really did a good job setting setting the edge with a nice block on the linebacker, uh, Balin Spector, to seal him to the inside and gave him lane to the outside for Khalil Herbert. Uh, but look, you know, no, make no mistake, you know, once this guy, you know, uh, it was against UNC, ball was tipped he was able to reach back and secure the football then really dynamic in the open field showing a burst of speed he's one of those undersized tight ends who i think could end up carving out a niche at the next level uh, possibly even as an h-back you know another guy just like that you know is undersized but can be a dynamic receiver is brent keith out of utah he's 6'2 230 pounds only played in four games in 2020 um, but prior to that, that 2019 season was where he really had that breakout year. 34 catches, 602 yards at 17.7 yards per reception. Notice a lot of these tight ends making a lot of plays down the field. Six touchdowns. And he has that sudden lateral quickness to beat defenders in the open field and continue up the field. That's one of the things that you really see. You know, a lot of these tight ends can get vertical, but you don't see a ton of them with that lateral agility. Frank Keith, he absolutely has that. Has that body control. Uh, when the ball's in the air, able to elevate and then adjust to the football. He can be very dynamic as a runner. Uh, against UCLA, uh, you know, sophomore season, was able to stop, cut back inside uh, on multiple occasions. Um, very tough, you know, against UCLA again, you know, able to high point the football up the seam, took a shot from the safety as he was coming down and still held on to the football. Really sharp cuts. Um, 
know, a guy who I think is, is a sudden route runner as well. Um, needs to work on some of the blocking, you know, a little bit. You know, I think he's more of a, a dynamic receiver. And, uh, you know, but at 6'2", is he going to be an H-back? Is he going to be a tight end? Really, what is he uh, at the next level? That's going to be the biggest question mark. Um, you know, he just lacks some of that size. When it comes to size, Chase Allen has that, uh, you know, in, in buckets. You know, the, the 6'7", 240-pounder out of Iowa State, a guy who's basically known for his blocks, uh, his blocking ability more than anything else. Because, look, you know, just 48 catches in his career, 526 yards and four scores. Um, you know, against Louisiana to kick off that 2020 season, lead blocker on a goal line run by by Brees Hall, um, guy that you know just continued to get better and better with his blocks. You know, OU in the Big 12 championship, a block on the outside on a quick throw to Xavier Hutchinson to spring him for a 42 yard game. Um, again, another quick throw to Hutchinson had a really nice block on the on the defensive back wide uh, to get him a, a, a further gain there. Um, one of the things that I really like to see um, was his ability to block Kayvon Thibodeau in that Rose Bowl. Able to maintain leverage, keep him in front on a third and one, allowing Brees Hall to get five yards. Continue to block Kayvon on the edge in the second second quarter as well. Uh, I thought he did a really good job there. Um, so he's one of those guys that you're going to see with, with the blocking, but he offers up some of that pass-catching ability. It's one of those things when Charlie Kohler was battling some of the injuries, they got to see what they really had in Chase Allen. And this was a guy who actually showed off some pretty nice hands. Um, guy, you know, against West Virginia was a vertical threat, you know, down the field, 31 yards to make, to, to make the catch, um, you know, stop route, you know, and then able to, to then take off after the catch as well. You know, I thought that was one of the things that I, I thought was nice for him. Um, he, he does battle, you know, the, he's not going to be a burner by any means. Uh, there was a screenplay. He was unable to get outside to the defensive back uh, against Louisiana, uh, Louisiana and, and Pettis Clow, um, able to you know stop the receiver there in the slot for a tackle for loss. So not the not the most fleet of foot at the tight end position, but definitely a guy who has exceptional hands. Um, that's one of the things that I definitely saw. You know that Rose Bowl game, able to pick the ball up on on his back hip on a drag route. Um, He'll be a guy that I think has a chance to get drafted, mostly because of the blocking ability, but what he was able to do offering up some of those hands, that's one of the things that I, I think could end up benefiting him uh, when it's all said and done. How about uh, Derek Deese Jr. out of San Jose State? The legacy, you know, his dad, Derek Deese Sr., uh, he played for the Trojans and then uh, with the 49ers in the league. 6'4", 245 pounds. Last two seasons there at, at uh, San Jose State, 39 catches, 419 yards, seven touchdowns. Prior to that, you know, he was uh, at Golden West College there in Orange County, California. Um, made the move to the Spartans, and, and look, this is a guy. He's got you know really long arms, and a guy who's going to attack the football. You're going to see him get full extension and, and able to get his foot down. So there's some nice body control along the sideline. Um, you know, a, a guy who I think. You know, at times, you know, really slow to get his head around on some of the passes, so the ball will fall in completed times. Um, but a guy who you know is an intelligent route runner, a guy that knows how to get open, um, a guy who can adjust to the football when it's in the air. Um, you know, in between the linebackers, able to to catch the ball in front of him 
and then work hard to get up the field after that. That was in that Boise State game, the Mountain West Championship, where the Spartans ended up uh, ended up winning that game. And, and look, with, with Deese, it wasn't asked to be the focal point of that offense. They had uh, you know Trey Walker and Bailey Gaither, but I, I think Deese is going to be a guy that's going to be playing a huge role for, for Nick Starkle, be one of those weapons. And I, I think he's another guy who, with a big year, you know, people aren't talking about him in the Mountain West. They're talking about Trey McBride. They're talking about Cole Turner. They're not talking about Derek Deese, but he's the guy that I think could end up moving up draft boards with another big year there in the Mountain West. Braden Galloway out of Clemson. Look, you know, he only played in that one game in 2019. Sadad had the, the off-field issues going there. 2020, 27 catches, 369 yards, had a couple of scores. He's definitely a receiving threat up the seam. Um, a guy who I think is improving as a blocker as well. Um, can create some separation on his corner routes. Uh, that's one of the things that I definitely noticed, especially in that game against Wake Forest. Um, but he's one of those guys, he's got to battle through, the, you know, like I said, those shake those off-field issues and really kind of rehab his image and be a guy that's willing to do whatever it takes. Um, you know, I'm expecting to see big things out of him, but he, he's one of those guys I have further down on the list because, um, you know, I, I don't know how dynamic he really is. You know, I don't know, um, you know, if the effort's there all the time with his blocks. Um, so he'll be one of those guys that I'll be expecting, you know, to hopefully see have a breakout year if he wants to get himself drafted. And one last guy to mention, uh, who I think is a workhorse there for Indiana, and that's Peyton Hendershaw, 6'4", 250 pounds, a guy who's, you know, look, you know, a, a guy who, uh, what was it, 2019, 52 catches, 622 yards, and, and four touchdowns, uh, followed that up with another 29, 23 catches in, in 2020, uh, not the most athletic guy. But, uh, you know, he, he's definitely a hands catcher. Uh, he's reliable in traffic because of that. Uh, you know, he just, you know, I, I look at it over and over, whether it was Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Maryland, you know, he's reliable. You know, and that's one of the things that I'm just noting again and again with this guy. Um, you know, excellent effort. You know, ball's going to be thrown out in front of him. Even if he can't get to it, you're going to see him lay out and try to dive and, and make the play on the football. Um uh, a guy, you know, uh, against Ohio State, came across three yards shy of, of the first down, lowered his shoulder, and pushed for a total of 13 yards, and ended up getting that first down on the first and ten play. Um, you know, against Penn State, you know, the blocking ability stunted a rush by by Shaka Tony on the touchdown pass there in overtime. Um, just a guy who who just he, he works hard. And that's the thing that I think I can appreciate there for, you know, when you watch him play, uh, not going to be the best athlete, but, you know, by any means, but he works hard. You know, he's a decent blocker, a guy who's going to be reliable in the passing game. And so I think there is a, there's a home for him there at the next level. It may be a numbers game in terms of, you know, tight ends getting drafted. Um, and he might be one of those guys that'll end up being a priority free agent. But I think Peyton Hendershot has a darn good chance to make an NFL roster because he does have that versatility. He's going to work hard and he's reliable. So those are my tight ends. I promise we get through 19 tight ends and we just did that maybe in record time. Um, like I said, Jalen Weidermeyer and Jaleel Billingsley, really the class of this tight end group. But I, I think that Trey McBride could have a huge year 
uh, with Colorado State. Same with Kate Otten and uh, uh, Greg Dulcich there in the Pac-12. Um, I think Charlie Kohler is really going to be relied upon in the passing game there for Iowa State. Same with Austin Stogner. He's going to be a security blanket there for Spencer Rattler. Uh, Jeremy Ruckert, they don't need him necessarily in that passing game. I want to see him really focus on that blocking, though, because we know what he can do as a pass catcher. Can Will Mallory stay healthy? Uh, Really can uh, Isaiah Likely stay healthy as well? Jake Ferguson is going to do what he does. Nothing flashy there. A guy who's going to be a day three pick, but you know what you're getting when you draft a a Wisconsin tight end, a guy who's going to continue to work. Cole Turner, is he going to be the next Darren Waller? That's really going to be the biggest question mark watching him. Uh, Josh Wiley, is he going to continue to develop there in Cincinnati? James Mitchell, undersized tight end. He and Brent Keithy really want to see what they can do. Can they be polished blockers? Are they going to be downfield threats for, for their programs? Um, you know, I think that's really going to help establish where he's going to come off. Those two guys are going to come off the board. Uh, Braden Galloway, is he going to take his game to the next level? to ensure that he's going to be a tight end that we're talking about as a draftable prospect. Uh, Chase Allen, are we going to see enough of him as a receiver to really have confidence in drafting him, or is he going to be more of a a free agent? Um, Derek Deese, if he has a big year year there with Sparty, I think there's a great chance that we're going to be hearing Derek Deese's name called uh, possibly late there on day three. And then Peyton Hendershot, look, you know, a guy who's going to continue to work, uh, blue collar guy there for Indiana. Um, you know, he'll be a, either a late uh, day three pick or possibly a, a priority free agent. But uh, a lot to like there at the tight end position. You know, not really a whole lot of noise there at the top of the tight end group. But really a lot of solid, solid players and a lot of guys that I can see making plays at the next level. Really looking forward to seeing what this group can do. So we're going to go ahead and move on from the tight ends. Next podcast will be the offensive line. So we're going to take a look at obviously the tackles, the guards, and the centers. And just to kind of set that up, we don't have a Panay Sewell or... Um, you know, a Rashawn Slater, guys who were established and we knew for a fact and we've seen them for years and these guys can dominate. But we do have a guy in Alabama's, Evan Neal, who is a physical freak, 6'7", 340 pounds. He, he slimmed down, very athletic, and a guy who I thought was um, pretty consistent there on the right side of that, that Alabama line. He'll be the guy to talk about in that, that top group at the, at the left tackle position. Then there are a lot of other guys after that with a lot of potential. And it's going to be one of those things. A lot of juniors. Uh, we have a redshirt sophomore who's actually my number two tackle in Charles Cross. Um, so that tackle position really is kind of up in the air. There are some athletes, but guys who really need to work on some of that technique. You move inside to guard. And look, these guys may be playing tackle, but when you talk about Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M and Ikem Ikwonu there for NC State, these guys are, are going to be um, guards that could be considered for round one ability just because of the physicality with which they play. They're a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think you look at Zion Johnson and uh, and Darian Kennard. Darian Kennard of Kentucky reminds me a lot of Cody Ford coming out of Oklahoma, a right tackle um, who I think is going to make the move to guard at the next level. And then when you look at the center position, Tyler Linderbaum you know, of Iowa is going to be the, the class of that group. 
But I think there are some other guys in that class, from Jarrett Patterson to Ricky Stromberg, uh, Nick Ford, the very versatile Utah offensive lineman who's played virtually every position up front. Um, there are a lot of guys that we're going to be talking about there at the center position as well. So tune in to the next podcast, and then we'll wrap up offense with that offensive line. We'll be talking about defense after that, so we'll get through Kayvon Thibodeau all the way through uh, the interior linemen, the linebackers, and the secondary, and we'll make sure that uh, we lead right into the season. And then once we get into season play, some of the observations, some of the guys that we're going to be watching out for, um, and really recap what we've seen week in and week out. So this first week, really some of the guys that I've been keeping an eye on you know, Fresno State, uh, Aaron Mosby was a guy that I thought really flashed there at the defensive end position. Probably going to be a 3-4 outside linebacker um, when he makes that transition. Um, I thought Travis Jones for, for Connecticut saw way too many double teams. That poor guy, um, you know, he fought through it, really showed some raw power, even battling against those, uh, uh, those double teams. UCLA, like I said, Zach Charbonnet. Man, you know, the, the footwork, he's the real deal, a guy that may be moving into my top 10. Uh, Sean Ryan, you know, just showed off more of, of what we expected there at that tackle position. He'll be a guy that we'll be talking about in, in the next podcast. Um, and then, uh, you know, Nebraska with some of their struggles. Illinois, we'll talk about some of those guys as well. Owen Carney, Jack Hansen, there, or Jake Hansen there on the defensive side of the football. Um, so we'll have a lot to talk about in the coming podcast. Leading up to the full slate of games, Labor Day weekend, I can't wait. College football is here. We've got fans in the stands. Game day, Lee Corso was on set there for ESPN. All is right in the world. We've got college football, and uh, I'm really excited, and I hope you are as well. Until next time, for ReadyForTheDraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and until next time, I am out of here.